praise the Lord that He is in control. Amen. Amen. Come what may, doesn't take the Lord by surprise. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, we'll get right into our Bible study here tonight. If you're a guest and a visitor, we welcome you. Glad you're with us again. We have a few. Make sure you greet them and welcome them to our services here tonight. And if you have not been with us on Wednesday nights, we are working our way through the book of Galatians, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia. And we are in chapter 1. We haven't been in the study very long. I think this is lesson 4. And our text verses for tonight and for the next week are going to be verses 10 through 24. And so let's go ahead and read these verses. You follow along with me. Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Tonight we're going to talk about the dynamic of the gospel. As we've worked our way through this chapter, uh, we've already talked about how uh, Paul uh, discloses the gospel in verses 1 through 5. And then in the next verses, verses 6 through 9, we talked about the distortion of the gospel. And we need to refresh our memories here uh, with respect to the context that our passage is found in. And let me just remind you that the first two chapters of Galatians are introductory chapters, and they're very foundational for the practical side of what's coming in the, the next chapters. The Galatian Christians had what Paul said had been deceived and they had been soon removed from the gospel of grace unto another gospel which is not another. And we talked about what that means. Paul said, I can't believe it. I marvel that you are so quickly and so easily removed from the gospel of grace unto another gospel, which is not another. He says, it's not another one of the same kind. It's not a gospel at all. It doesn't have the power of God. It can't change a life. It's a false gospel. And he says, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you are going from something 
something of such value, the grace of God in salvation, to something that is far inferior back to a works-based salvation. And so these Galatian Christians had deserted God in some aspects by adopting this perversion of a gospel, which was actually no gospel at all. And we saw that in verses 6 through 9. That deception of these Galatian Christians was the result of the teaching of what we call the Judaizers. And it were, it were, they were Jews who had been converted to Christ, but what they did was they sought to add the keeping of Old Testament law to faith as a requirement for salvation for the Gentiles. And so, in other words, what they were doing were telling these Gentile believers that you can't truly be saved unless you not, not just have faith in Jesus, believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And so, these Judaizers were teaching this false gospel, deceiving these Galatian Christians. And Paul said there'd be some that trouble you. They were troubled in their mind and their spirit. Along with that... These Jews, these Judaizers, attacked the Apostle Paul. They attacked his apostleship. They attacked his authority. They attacked the message that he was preaching and the motive behind the message he was preaching. Part of their teaching of a different gospel, a gospel different from the one that Paul proclaimed, was to attack the man himself. And that's the setting here in which Paul is writing. And so chapters 1 and 2 are a defense of both Paul's apostleship and his authority and the gospel that he proclaimed. Chapters 3 and 4 of Galatians exposes the theological error of Judaism by turning back to the Old Testament law, which is what they were doing. And we'll find once we get to chapter 3 and 4 how Paul exposes that the law was neither intended for nor able to accomplish what the Judaizers were promising. It couldn't do it. And then you get to chapter 5 and 6, and it's the very practical side of the book of Galatians, and Paul explains how God has made provision for holiness through the grace of the gospel. The holiness that the law demanded was only possible through the grace of Jesus Christ. And only God's grace supplied that. And man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says that, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the shall no flesh be justified. And so we'll get into all of that as we work our way through. But right now, in chapter 1, Paul is giving a defense of the gospel. He's also giving a defense of his apostleship because they were accusing him, questioning his authority and questioning his message, but not only the message, but the motive behind it. What they were trying to say was Paul changed what was real and true, and he changed it and diluted it to make it easy so that he could get a following of men. That's why Paul says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? 
For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And so tonight, we're going to look at a couple of different things, but in this section, we'll not get all the way through all of these verses tonight, but in this section, we'll see Paul's defense, and then we'll see Paul's conversion. And those are the things that we'll look at here and ask the Lord to bless His Word tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd encourage us and instruct us tonight, and I pray that Lord, we would engage our mind with the Word of God tonight. And Lord, I pray that You'd build us up in the faith, that we may serve You, Lord, that we may be faithful to You. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, consider, first of all, with me, Paul's defense, verses 10 through 12. He says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's Paul giving his defense of his authority, his apostleship, and also the, uh, where the message that he preaches, the gospel, came from. Notice, first of all, in verse 10, his call. He says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Paul says here he didn't persuade men. That's not what he was about. What that means is he wasn't seeking the favor of men. He didn't apply for this job of being an apostle. He couldn't you know, fill out a resume in order to get this job, his, his purpose wasn't about finding favor with men. He also didn't persuade God, he said. Do I persuade men or God? He didn't beg God for this position of, the, of his apostleship. In fact, God was the one who persuaded him. You remember his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, in verse 15. Jesus said these words. Jesus said, He, that's Paul, who would be Paul, He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. The Lord was the one who chose him. The Lord was the one who persuaded him. And the application here was, is very simple. Paul's preaching was, was a calling. It wasn't, it wasn't a career. It wasn't a job that he applied for. And the same is true today, friend. Uh, the preaching of the gospel in a, in a preacher of a new, in a New Testament church is a calling of God, not a career. There is one who is much higher than men that a preacher answers to. He says he didn't seek to please men. He didn't have to. Did you know that? He didn't have to please men. They may not like how he did things. They may not like what he says. But the only one that really mattered was Jesus Christ. And was he pleased? That's the only one that really mattered. Now, Paul didn't intentionally or needlessly displease men. That wasn't his purpose. That wasn't what he was about. He wasn't rude and tactless. There are some who who preach the Word of God and they say, I'm a preacher of the Gospel and I stand on the Word of God and I'm the boss here and you're going to do what I tell you to do. Paul wasn't rude and tactless. Paul wasn't lording. 
over God's heritage, he wasn't needlessly and intentionally displeasing men by being rude and tactless. Jesus says to speak the truth, but you need to do it in love. Truth without love is not very effective. And love without truth is not really love. Amen? Paul's purpose, Paul's purpose actually had nothing to do with men at all other than to bear the name of Jesus to them, which is what Jesus said. I've chosen him to bear my name. Paul's purpose was simply to be a faithful messenger of what the Lord has given him to do. And you know what? That should be our purpose as well. To simply be faithful messengers of the job that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us while applying Colossians 4, 6 that says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. You know what? People aren't going to listen to the gospel when someone is rude and someone is tactless. That's not how Jesus was. And there's a lot of people out there who call themselves Baptists. There's a lot of preachers out there who call themselves true, who are nothing more than rude, uh, insensitive jerks <laughs> who don't care about people. Oh, they went out from us because they were not of us. Well, <laughs> that can be true, but they also may have gone out from us because you ran them off with your tongue with your speech. Let it always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Paul didn't have to please men. He didn't have to persuade men. He had a call of the Lord, not a career. Paul also didn't court men's favor by compromising the message. We see in verse 10, he says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? The accusation... Or the issue in question by these Judaizers was whether Paul deliberately diluted his message to suit his audience. And what was the message? Salvation isn't by law-keeping. Salvation isn't by keeping the Old Testament law. You're saved by grace through faith. And the accusation was, in order to gain status among other people, Paul changed what is really true from keeping the law and holiness to, you don't have to keep the law, you only have to be saved by faith. See what I'm saying? That's not what Paul did. Not at all. In fact, Paul would not alter the truth ever to, in order to gain favor. Of men. He would not alter the truth to avoid the fury of men either. There's a difference. But you know what? We could fall into that. We could fall into that trap. We could, we could alter the message. We could dilute the message in order to fill up the pews. But Christ wouldn't be pleased. The job of preaching the Word of God as it is in truth to men as they are, is made incredibly difficult these days. And it's difficult by those who change the message and claim that it's still a true message. Watering down, diluting the gospel. But we must preach the truth if we're to please the one who really matters. Amen? 
And I want you to notice this last statement that Paul makes in verse 10. He says, For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. This is proof that Paul wasn't trying to please men. He wasn't altering the message to gain a following. He says, if I were to please men, then I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And he's making a statement here. Because the word that he uses is the word doulos, servant. And it means a bondservant. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. Now understand what that means. A bondservant was no ordinary servant. According to the law given in Exodus, Hebrew slaves were to be set free after six years of serving. And on the seventh year, they could be set free. But there were times that slaves decided that their life in slavery was actually better than the life that they would have in freedom. And if their master treated them well, if he treated them fairly, if he provided for them properly, if he cared for them lovingly, and they developed this relationship over those years, being set free from the master would have meant that they entered into a worse situation on their own. And so, in cases like that, the Lord said in Exodus 21, in verse 2, If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. Verse 5, And if the servant shall plainly I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. This turned a servant into a bondservant. In other words, he was a servant who voluntarily chose to serve his master for the rest of his life. Several in the New Testament are called or either called themselves bondservants of Jesus Christ for the very same reason. And the reason was that they realized that freedom in themselves or freedom in this world, the freedom that they formerly had outside of Christ was nothing and not worthy to be compared to the slavery they had in Jesus Christ. And he willfully, voluntarily calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ for all my life. And you know what Paul said over and over again. He said, my life is nothing outside of Christ. For me to live is Christ. All I want to do is win Christ, gain Him, learn of Him. Why? Because of what He's done for me. Paul said in Romans 6.22, but now being made free from sin... What's the implication? You're in bondage. You're a servant being made free from sin and become servants to God willfully. And you know, God has bought us with a price. We know that. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We belong to Him. 
by right of creation, by right of His blood. That's true. But you know what? We also have freedom to walk away from that because God is not going to force your will. Now, He will conform you to the image of His Son, and you can't do that without chastening from the Lord. But we're not robots. What the Lord wants is willful service. Willfully giving our life in service to Him because of what He's done for us. Because I love my Master. Amen? Paul was a bondservant trying to please no one but his master, Jesus Christ. And that's how we ought to operate. You know, people are not going to like what you say. People are not going to like what you do. People are not going to like the way that you run things. People are, not, people are, people are going to be people. And people are going to do this, and people are going to do that. But you know what? If we are driven by pleasing people, we're going to fail every time at our purpose. Who's really... We don't have to answer to men when we know that the Lord is pleased and we're serving the Lord, following His will. Paul was a bondservant, serving Jesus Christ. What he was writing wasn't going to win him any popularity contests. But that's not what it's about. He wasn't concerned over those things. He just wanted to be right in the eyes of the Lord. And you know what? If everybody had that same attitude, all I want to do is be right in the eyes of the Lord. We wouldn't have a lot of these other personal, interpersonal problems going on. I don't have time for that. Because I just want to be right in the eyes of the Lord. Not right in my own eyes. Amen? So this was Paul's calling. But then you get to verses 11 and 12. You see his preaching. And Paul defines his preaching here because he was talking about the gospel that he preached unto them. And he said, if anybody preaches a different gospel than what I've preached to you, let him be accursed. That word is anathema. It means reserved for judgment. God takes the gospel seriously. And so then he says, but I certify you, brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul defines his preaching here. He says, his, first of all, his gospel was not after man. And what that means is it didn't originate with man. It wasn't a man's idea. His gospel that he preached didn't originate with man. It was God's plan. It was God's provision. And the truth of the matter is, mankind would never have devised a gospel like the true gospel, where Jesus Christ left heaven's glory, came and lived among men. He died and shed His sinless and spotless perfect blood so that sinful men could know peace with God. Men, mankind would have never come up with and, and approved a substitutionary death in a gospel. Why? Because it offends men's pride. That's why. I can't do anything to prop myself up. Paul alludes to the fact that the Judaizers' gospel, the one that they were teaching, 
or you, oh, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised. Paul alludes to the fact that their gospel is after man. It is originated in men. Paul also says here in verse 12 that his gospel was received by revelation. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation here, it means the disclosure or communication of truth to men by God Himself. So think about that. The disclosure or communication of truth to men by God Himself. And it tells us something about truth. First of all, it tells us that truth is not discovered or realized. In other words, you don't get to come to the place where you have your own truth. I discovered, I realized my truth. You don't get to have your own truth when it comes to the spiritual. Truth is not originated in men. Truth is exclusive. And truth has to be revealed because truth comes from God. Paul was taught by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying... The source of the gospel that I'm preaching is so far superior to the gospel of the Judaizers that you've been deceived and troubled by. And the way that I got this gospel is also far superior to the gospel of the Judaizers. What they were teaching was coming from traditions of men. That's what they were teaching. And Paul knew all about rabbinical teaching and all about uh, tradition and learning of the Pharisees. Paul knew all about that. That's what he was. And what he's saying is the, gospel, the source of the gospel that I'm preaching to you is so far superior because it didn't come from men. It came from God. And the way that I got it is also far superior to that of what they are teaching. That's all traditions of men. Believers in Ephesus. In Ephesians 1 and verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Paul says, I want, my prayer is that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ and that the eyes of your understanding would be opened so that you can understand. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus says, when the spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into truth. Truth is already there. It's given by God. Amen? Through His Word. The Spirit of God gives us understanding so that we can know the truth. And I believe everything that Paul said. Why? Because Jesus spoke it. God spoke it through Him. Amen? So the Word of God is the final authority. So Paul is defending not only the message and where it came from, but he's also defending his apostleship here. 
And the message I'm speaking to you didn't come with me, and I didn't dilute it, and I didn't water it down so I can gain a following. I don't answer to men, and I don't try to please men. All I want to do is please my, my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for the sake of time, we'll stop here tonight, but in verses 13 through 24, what we're going to look at is Paul's conversion. Paul's conversion. And he testifies concerning what the gospel does. And the title of the message tonight was The Dynamic of the Gospel. What is the dynamic of the gospel? The dynamic of the gospel is that it completely changes lives. It is the power of God unto salvation to completely transform and change a life. And that's what Paul talks about in the rest of these verses. He talks about how you know my former life. You know that I was a persecutor of the church, uh, of Christians. You know that I was doing these things. And now I'm the one preaching the very thing that I was persecuting. And if you go back to our text just one more time, and I want you to look at the very last part of chapter 1. Paul said in, in verse 22, "...and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me." There is the dynamic of the gospel right there. To powerfully change a life. The one who was this way before, the one who was persecuting before, is now preaching the very faith and the very truth that he once tried to destroy. That's powerful. Amen? And so we'll consider Paul's conversion next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that, that you'd encourage us tonight with these truths, Lord, to stand on truth, the Word of God, to shape and build our life on the Word of God. Lord, to also understand that the message we have in the gospel is truth that we didn't discover, that didn't come from us. And Lord, our job is not to dilute it or water it down, but to be faithful ministers of it, to preach it. And we don't answer to men or try to please men. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to try to please you, our real master, because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.